Good, good. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, guys, we are in a series called Bridges. Uh, my name is Matt Williams, and my wife, Amber, and I, we are the lead pastors here. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here this morning. Um, I just really uh, would love to meet you, and, and I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards and love to shake your hand. You know, uh, if you're watching online uh, to either uh, later this week or whenever you might be catching this, uh, we, uh, I would love to get to meet you as well. So I would like to invite you to come join us uh, some Sunday morning here at the church. You know, this morning, uh, I would like to get started by, by saying today we're going to talk about building a bridge of peace. Building a bridge of peace. You know, that uh, reminds me of the story where this mature-looking woman, she went into a marriage counselor's office and she says, I want to divorce my husband. And the marriage counselor, he says, whoa, well, let's, let's sit down and talk about it. You know, uh, you know what, what's going on here? Do you guys have any grounds? You know, and she says, uh, well, yeah, we got a little over an acre. And he's like, no, and I don't think in her, and I'm, you don't understand what I'm saying here. I, um, you know, I'm saying, do you, do you and your husband, do you have a grudge? No, no, we don't have a grudge. We got a real nice carport, though, so we can park our cars in there. And, and then the counselor's like, ma'am, I... I don't see any reason why you guys would need to get a divorce. I don't understand this. And, and, uh, and she says, well, it's just that the man can't carry on an intelligent conversation. Sometimes we get in arguments with each other, and we get into disagreements with each other sometimes. And, and so many times it's sparked by a miscommunication. And then that miscommunication turns into another thing and another thing. And it becomes a layer of things that start piling up. And pretty soon that little miscommunication turns into an all-out war. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? And when you really try to dig it down and get into what the, the heart of the issue is, you realize, oh, it was just this little miscommunication that happened yesterday or last week or last month or maybe even a year ago. You know, there's this story that's told about a small country church where the pastor, he called a special meeting of the congregation to approve the purchase of a brand new chandelier. After some discussion on the pros and the cons of the chandelier, an old farmer, he stood up and he says, buying a new chandelier may seem like a good idea to all of you guys, but I am against it for three reasons. Number one, first of all, it's too expensive and we can't afford one. Number two, there isn't anybody around here who knows how to play one. And number three, what we really need to do is take care of this light fixture. Most, con most conflicts start out of a miscommunication, and they escalate over time into something that becomes a big catastrophe. It becomes a big catastrophe. So today, I want to talk about building the bridge of peace. Building the bridge of peace. So if you are first time here, or you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, we started a series called Bridges. And on week number one, we talked about building the bridge of relationship between God and man, and how man makes all these efforts to build a relationship, build a bridge of relationship toward God. But every time we end up falling short and we have these struggles, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of what God did for us is that he initiated the bridge from his side back to us so that we have a bridge to walk on so that we can have a great relationship with God. And we said that the cross, with Jesus dying on the cross, was his act of building that bridge. And so building that bridge, there is, the cross is a bridge, and I have a bridge to cross. That was, that was week number two. And last week we talked about the bridge of forgiveness. The bridge of forgiveness. We don't forgive the other person because it helps the other person. We forgive the other person because it helps us. 
It gets the baggage off of our life. In fact, you don't even have to tell that person that, they, that you have forgiven them. In fact, you might be holding unforgiveness towards somebody who's not even alive anymore. You've experienced this. You've maybe seen this in other people, of course, not anyone here. But you've seen this in the world where a dead person is now controlling somebody else's life because of the bitterness that the person that's still alive is still holding, the bitterness and the grudge. I'm telling you, forgiveness is a bridge that we must build, and that bridge is to help us let go of the baggage of the offense that, have, that has come on us. So today, I'm going to talk about building the bridge of peace. The bigger word is this, building a bridge of reconciliation. How do you repair that relationship? You can forgive them and not have repaired the relationship. So how do you repair the relationship? I mean, I look around this world and I see broken relationships all over the place. The pain and the suffering that people are enduring because of broken relationships in their life. Between parents and kids between bosses and employees, between spouses, between your friends, and now they're your enemies, so they're your frenemies. This is a tough subject. I don't know. I don't know why I I do that to myself. This is a tough subject because we don't want to reconcile. We want to reconcile the relationship, but sometimes we don't know how. And every time we start to approach the reconciliation, it seems as if they they hurt us again, and, and we tend to break the relationship Again, you know, I have to say this. It takes two people to build a a reconciled relationship. The bridge of peace must be initiated from both sides of the chasm. You cannot build the bridge from one side all the way to the other because you're not responsible for how the other person is building from their side. You can build the best foundation You can start to extend the plank that direction. But if they don't have a foundation on their side for the bridge of peace, it won't work. It will be temporary if it even makes it that far at all. And I have to say that not every relationship should be reconciled. If someone is abusing you or has abused you, you may not need to reconcile that relationship. There are some situations where that that relationship Maybe it does because of the boundaries that need to be put in place that the relationship doesn't need to be reconciled. Now, I'm going to tell you that that is very far and few between that that kind of relationship and that kind of reconciliation, you can sidestep it because that, that is not the norm. So here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your husband and your wife. You stood before God at an altar and said words along the lines of for better or for worse. Well, your lack of reconciliation may be on the worst side, but you made a vow to each other before God that you were going to work it through and reconcile it. If you're married, you need to reconcile. Well, my, my spouse is this and that, and so I don't need to reconcile. No, you need to reconcile. You made a commitment and you made a vow. So you, you've got to work on the reconciliation. Maybe you're having some conflict with your parents. Maybe as a teenager, you have conflict with your parents, and then as you grow older and go through life, listen, that if you don't work on the bridge of reconciliation when you're young, the chasm grows further and further apart, and it becomes harder and harder to build that bridge of peace, that bridge of reconciliation. It becomes even more difficult to make that bridge work. And so you've got to work on building that bridge. There are grown adults that have massive chasms between themselves and their parents, and they don't have that bridge of peace and reconciliation. And over time, they've just grown so far apart that it just seems like it would be impossible to be able to build that bridge. This morning, we're going to talk about what it takes to build that bridge of peace. 
Most relationships should have a path of reconciliation. And so we look in the Bible, and the Bible has a ton to say on this. I mean, a ton to say. I was so overwhelmed, I thought I could just stand up here and read Scripture for 30 minutes and be like, we're out of here. Don't do this. Start doing that. Okay, we're good, right? We can move on. So I thought, well, I'm just going to handpick a few verses that we're going to look in today to help to understand what the, God's Word has to say about this and how to apply it into your life. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it says in verse 18, it says this, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Okay, so here's what we've got. God reconciled the world to himself. How many of you guys know that all of us have fallen short of the standard that God set? We have missed the mark. We have missed the mark. There was a target set. We aimed and we missed. And, and, and I know that you know that you believe this. Even if you're not a Christian and you're not a Christ follower and you're here this morning, number one, I'm glad that you're here and you're investigating uh, what it means to be a Christian and a Christ follower. I think it's great that you're taking that step here with us this morning. But I want you to know this, that, that we've all missed it. Even if you're not a Christ follower, you've said, I'm never going to do that again. And you did it, didn't you? Oh, I'm all, I will always do it this way. But then you fell short, didn't you? Like, hey, you can't even hit the mark of the target that you put in front of your life, and you get to pick the target, much less the target that God sets in front of us, that, that we all miss this target. You see, when we miss the target, it's called sin. And so we have this gap that we have created between us and God, and God built the bridge of reconciliation towards us in order to reunite us in this way. The chasm, the shortfalling, the gap that, that you have created, that you and I have created between us and God is so large that, that God had to create that bridge for us to be able to come back. And so what's saying this is that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, building this bridge of peace, building this bridge of reconciliation, not counting their, trans, their trespasses against them and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. God is entrusting us to us, the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, so we are ambassadors of God the God that built the bridge of reconciliation. And as an ambassador, when you are going into a new place, when you are an ambassador of the United States into a different country, the intention and the hope is, is that you would reflect the policies, that you would reflect the, the governing structure that the United States is. You would be an ambassador representative of that in that other area, which means this, you and I as Christ followers today, we are to be ambassadors of Christ who built the bridge of reconciliation to us. And so we are carrying that message of reconciliation so that other people might be reconciled with God. Right? And you guys picking up what I'm putting down? And so you and I are constantly communicating that. And you guys know this, and maybe you don't. 10% of what you communicate are the words that come out of your mouth. The other 90% composes of your nonverbals. It, it composes of, of how you present yourself. Are you smiling or are you frowning? And, and, and your actions speak louder than your words. 
So what does your life look like in, in your regular relationships around you? Are you modeling reconciliation between your brothers and your sisters and your spouse and your wife and those who have wronged you? Are you modeling what it looks like to be a Christ follower in these areas? I want to encourage you that reconciliation is not just something we talk about and theorize, but it's got to be something that we're actually modeling and doing as we represent who Jesus is. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 20, it says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Planning peace. Peace requires planning. When you plan for peace in your life, you have joy. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirred up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. If you are slow to anger, you will calm the storm to allow the opportunity for reconciliation to happen. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus has a sermon on the mount. And there's multiple examples in here of how he talks about building peace and building a bridge of reconciliation. But in Matthew 5, 9, he makes it very simple and very straightforward. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Are you making peace? Are you making peace? Are you a peacemaker this morning? Are you building that bridge of reconciliation between other people in your life? Peacemaking is not avoiding nor appeasing. Peacemaking. Jesus never ran from a legitimate conflict. When there was legitimate conflict, he stayed there and tried to build the bridge of reconciliation. So the Bible, I've been looking, the Bible, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it talks about peacekeeping. I can't find it anywhere. Scripture calls us to be peacemakers. And so there's three types of people in this world when it comes to peacemaking. It's really simple, three types. Number one, is this, is that peace breakers. Peace breakers, you've seen these people, peace breakers. Maybe you work with a peace breaker, someone who actively chooses to break the peace. I think that they think that they're trying to do you a favor and maybe point out the other alternative views of what you're not seeing. They come across like a jerk though. You know what I'm saying? Like they come across like, like they're critical and they're criticizing you and they're like, I'm just trying to provide a, the devil's advocate view, you know? And I think they're intentionally, they don't see it that they're peace breakers, but you guys have seen these guys and they're constantly agitating the, 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 the group. They're always abrasive and they're always rubbing people the wrong way. Those are peace breakers and you see them all the time. It seems like they almost get energy from the conflicts that they create with other people. How many of you guys know somebody like that? You know a peace breaker in your life. How many of you guys are that person? No, I'm kidding. Nope, no hands. No hands. No elbows either, spouses. No elbows either. I'm just... They deliberately confront people, and they have to confront and disagree with everything. But their motivation when they're doing this is self. You see, they end up being manipulative and self-seeking. You can be a peace breaker without even knowing it. That's the crazy thing, is you think you're being helpful. You think that you're providing insight. You've got to honestly question, what are my motives here? Am I, am I being a peacemaker? Or am I being a peacebreaker? Most peacebreakers don't even realize what they're doing, and they feel justified in doing it. Well, I was just spitting the truth. I was just calling it like I see it. Well, sometimes... Those things are breaking the peace. Typically, peacebreakers break the peace with their tongue. 
In the last series, we were going through the book of James, and I think it's James 3 where it says that the tongue is the rudder of life. In this major ship, there's a little rudder on the back of the boat that will then stir the boat as it's steer, not stir, steer the boat as it's going through the water. It's this little element on this giant ship that causes the, to, to go in the right and wrong direction. Your tongue is the rudder in your, of, of your direction. Your tongue is, is this rudder, what it says in James. So gossip, slander, judgmental, overly opinionated talk is what breaks the peace. That's what breaks the peace. When God is doing something good and the enemy will try to interrupt it, he will try to interrupt it with your tongue. You see, peacebreakers are fighting to win. Peacemakers are fighting for peace. Peacebreakers are fighting for the win. Peacemakers are fighting for peace. If you've ever found yourself in a conflict, please, no hands, you found yourself in a conflict, <laughs> and halfway through the fight, you realize that you were wrong, and you had this conversation in your head, well, I've gotten this far in. <laughs> I'm down this far in the hole. I'm going to win this thing at this point. And I, like, you know and you're knower that I might be wrong, but it's like, man, I've said too much. I've gone too far. Yeah, that, that's peace breaking because you're fighting for the win rather than fighting for the peace. Number two, peace fakers. These are the ones who prefer peace over truth. These are the ones that prefer peace over truth. Peace fakers see peace as the absence of conflict or confrontation. They settle for counterfeit peace that is based on avoiding real issues. When someone does something wrong to you and they've wronged you and you're like, oh, it's no big deal. When inside you're like, oh, this is such a big deal. Listen, you're peace faking. And that's not real peace because inside there's a war that's going on inside you at this point. It's peace. It's fake. So in choosing peace faking or peacekeeping over truth telling, people think that they're being noble. But really, they're making a bad choice. Whatever has caused tension in a relationship, if it's left ignored, it will come back again without being properly resolved. If you are in a relationship with someone and you feel like you get in the same fight over and over and over again, over the same basic issue, there's some peace faking that's going on in the midst of that. It would, it would seem to indicate that one side or both sides of that argument, at that point, one of them is not being completely honest with the situation. It's not being completely resolved, maybe halfway resolved or mostly resolved, but, but not all the way. So eventually there's going to become a total breakdown in the relationship. Relationships can die while everything on the surface is looking peaceful. So truth-telling, you've got to be able to speak the truth in love, I'll have you say, like you can't just spit the truth in harshness. But so truth-telling takes courage, but any other approach over time will undermine the integrity of our relationships. And so the last one is this, is you have a third type of person, which is a peacemaker, a peacemaker. Now this peacemaker, this is very different. This is a different kind of person. Now you guys all here, I know you, that you're peacemakers. You're not peace takers or breakers or fakers or whatever it might be, shakers. Or, you're a peacemaker, right? And so, so we're a different kind of person. And so you and I, as we are striving to make peace in someone's life, there's a difference to being the peace breakers because they set guard on their tongue at all times. We set guard on our tongue at all times. And we think before we speak and, and we're not confronted just for the sake of it. 
You see, peacemakers don't have to give their opinion all the time. And they're able to walk away quietly and avoid a conflict when the situation calls for it. Turning an anthill into a mountain and then dying on that mountain is not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> there, are, there are different to peace fakers because they are prepared to tell the truth and trust God for the outcome in order to have a peace that is worthwhile and lasting. They want real peace by resolving the cause of the conflict. They want real peace by resolving the cause of the conflict. A peacemaker will have the patience to work through the layers of complexity, the layers of potential miscommunication in order to get down to the root issue that is driving the conflict. You see, peacebreakers will pick up on the surface items and, and pick those apart and cause conflicts and fights and tension. And, and then the whole argument is about this surface layer stuff when really there's a core issue that's not being addressed. Peacemakers are willing to keep their mouth shut, working their way through the, the surface layers to get down to the, to the root cause. Peacemakers are prepared to put their well-being above their own comfort level. Think about it. If you're raising a child... You want to give them hugs and kisses all the time. You want some candy? Sure, have some candy. We did that. Here's some candy. Yeah, you can have some candy. Until they went to the dentist. <laughs> like, a four-year-old can have a cavity? Oh, man. Why is, how? How is that even possible? Yeah, is that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, totally possible. They're eating too much candy. They're not brushing their teeth. And so then as a parent... There's sometimes these hard conversations that I have to have with, with my child. Hey, can I have some candy? And the answer is, no, you've had enough sugar for today. Now, there's a practical side to it as well, because if you give them too much sugar too late, then bedtime is a, you know, a nightmare. But, but it's still, besides that point, you have to realize that you put boundaries on your kids as you're raising kids. because Why? Because it's for their best interest. It's for the help. That is not an easy conversation to have. When my child messes up and is wrong, which has only happened twice in their life, you can ask them. But they, when they do something wrong, and, and they re, it, it requires me to get outside of my comfort zone as the parent, and I now have to discipline my child. That is not hugs and kisses. They are crying. After they walk away, I start to cry. I don't use the line, it hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, it'll come out one of these days, I'm sure. But especially now that I've said that I'm not, yeah, that'll happen this week. But, but so the, <laughs> the life of a pastor, right? If you preach it, it's like, oh man, this next week, you know, hang on. So, uh, but <laughs> it's, like, it's like the enemy comes along and says, you're going to live it out now, preacher man. So... Here, come, here comes a conflict. So, you know, you, you have to discipline your kid, and all of a sudden, they're upset, and you're upset. But at the end of the day, you're doing this hard conversation. You're calling out what needs to be called out at a root issue in order to be able to um, help them become the, the best person that they need to be. The hard conversation as a peacemaker is a necessary conversation. I was in business before I became a pastor, and in one of my... Business is I had a business partner who did not have a sense of smell. And so this at times um, became uh, challenging. We, we had a, a car, car lot dealership thing, and, and so he, he couldn't smell. And so there would be times I would come into the shop area, and it would smell like gasoline really strong. 
And I'd be like, whoa, open some doors and windows, you know, like it's the ventilation. And he's like, what are you talking about, you know? And he's like, my eyes are burning, but I thought it might be allergies, right? And it's like, man, this is really dangerous. Nobody light a match, right? And so this thing could blow up any minute. There was a different time, though. We were leaving the, the business to go meet with somebody off-site. And as we're walking out, his BO was out of this world. I mean, it was out. And how do you have that conversation with him? Hey, bro, um... So, you know, you might try this on for consideration, but um, how do you have this conversation? You're like, bro, you stink. I mean, that, that's kind of how I did it, but I was, like, hey, I was like, hey, bro, you stink. And he's like, what? And I was like, you've been working in the shop, you've been sweating, uh, you got a little funk going on here. And he's like, oh, oh, and he goes in the restroom and he washes up whatever he does, puts on some deodorant and you head out and he's like, how about now? And I was like, you're good, man, let's go do this thing. But I could have kept my mouth shut and we could have walked out and I could have just smiled and nodded and the whole time he would have no idea the, 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 dust, the cloud of stench that would have been around him at the time. I, ironically, I had another business partner in another business that had a glass eye and, and, and we got out of the car to walk into a place and his one glass eye was looking out this way and, and his real eye was looking straight forward. Never seen it before in my life. And, and it's like, how do you, what do you do? Like, how do you say this, Right? So, and, and, and so I'm like, hey, you got a little thing in, on your, in, your, in your eye. And I'm like, oh, God. What and he's, he kind of like, oh. He like walks over, looks in the mirror, the side view. And he's like, oh, my goodness. You know, and so he fixes it. And, and, and we go, <laughs> we're walking away. And, and he's, he says, man, thanks. Thanks for not letting me walk around and look like a, a freak. You know? Listen, am I a better friend for faking the peace and letting them walk through life with this scenario? No. No, you know what the better friend is? The better friend is to call out what needs to be called out in a loving, kind, gentle way. Don't just call them out and be like, suck it up, buttercup. You got to get this going. You know, don't just call them names and ridicule. If you're calling somebody out and it's in a tearing down way, that is not loving. And you have got to find a way to lovingly guide and correct somebody because we all have faults and flaws, don't we? If I've got an eye sticking out weird or my smell is funny and I can't see it, I want someone to point it out to me in a kind and, and loving way. Peacemaking is that. Having the hard conversation, doing it in a loving way so that you're helping to better the other person. If you are trying to solve peaceful issues in a way to where it benefits you, I would challenge you to say that that may not be biblical peacemaking. Hard stuff is also a form of love. It's just as real as the hugs and kisses. Your well-being is more important than constant warm and fuzzy feelings. Peacemakers are motivated out of love, real love. If there is any other motivation behind what you are doing or saying, then you are not acting as a peacemaker. If your motivation is not love, you are not acting as a peacemaker. You know, I had the privilege of reading a, a new book before it's been published. That doesn't happen very often for me. I get the, 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 the behind the scenes. But one of our members here, um, Clyde and Joe Sanchez, are writing a book. And, um, 
They're, they're writing this book, and, and it's called Lessons from the Body. And, and, and they're, of course, are, they're doctors in the medical field, and, and um, God has given them this, this crazy insight. And I'm going to share something that, that, that you, you, don't, you can't have, couldn't have read at this point. But the book's coming out next month. I'd encourage you to, to buy it. But, but uh, they have this, this book, and what they do is chapter by chapter, they talk about different parts of the physical body and how it relates to spiritual well-being. And uh, it, it's really fascinating and mind-blowing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this. And if you think, wow, Matt, you know a lot about medical stuff? No, not at all. Um, I, I'm absolutely relying on, on their research in the midst of this. Here's the thing. A broken relationship is like a broken bone. It's like a, it's like a broken bone. And some of you have broken bones before. I've broken fingers, but that's all I've, that's all I've broken in my, in my body. But, but when, you, when a bone breaks, there is a, a splintering, a fracture. There is, a, there is a, the two pieces. The bone breaks. It was one solid piece. And there's different levels of, of breaking. Some of you guys know this. There's the clean break where the pieces are absolutely broken in half. And that's a big old hot mess. Um, there, there's another level where they break in half and one part's sticking out of the skin. That's an even bigger mess. Uh, and, and then they clean up on aisle two. And then, uh, then there's the other part where it's like a fracture, which is like a little split in the middle where you have like a partial break almost in the bone. And, and, and so, listen, but here's what happens and your body does this. Your body does four steps. This is so fascinating. Four steps in, in the middle of the bone that's, that's breaking. The first step is this, is that your body cleans the ends of the bone. So it actually sends blood into the end of the bone, and it starts to clean up the, the parts that were, that were fractured. And so your body sends different things in there through the blood in there to get into this section. It cleans up the rough edges. It actually brings um, healing. It, the, the, the bacteria that might want to climb into there, it actually fights it off. and clean. Your body naturally does that. Isn't that fascinating? So your body will naturally send blood into this area and, and, and then start cleaning it up. The blood has properties that kill bacteria and eat up the bone fragments that need to go way in order for the healing to start. Just incredible. It's like a, we're a self-healing machine here. And you tell me there wasn't a creator. I, uh, but step number two, your body produces a, a, a callus formation around the site. So think about this. When you break your bone and then you go to the doctor, they put a cast on your arm to help give it some rigidity. Well, there's something similar that's happening on the inside as well. It's starting to build the, the, the rigidity back again to be able to form it. So there's like an external brace that the doctor applies, but then on the inside, your body's doing something very similar. And then step three is this stuff called osteoblast moves in and, and begins to produce bone cells and, and transforms the callus into like a bone callus. And then the fourth step that happens is this. It's called remodeling. And osteoplasts and osteoclasts spend months replacing the bone callus with harder and compact bone. So it decreases the callus bridge because when the bridge comes in, it actually is a little bit bigger and bulkier. And, and, and it replaces all that stuff with harder material and then harder material and then finally back into bone again. And it comes back into its original shape. This process can take between three months and nine years in order for the bone to heal. Between three months and nine years in order for the bone to heal. In order for your bone to heal, proximity is paramount. If your bone breaks in half and one side of your bone is over here and one side of your bone is over here, your arm is going to look really weird. Um, but, but it's not going to heal unless you can get them to be in the same proximity. They have to be up next to each other. If they're separate, it's, it's not going to heal. I mean, now that seems like common sense. But the two pieces of bone have to be brought back together in order to heal. So a simple fracture 
can become very complicated very quickly if the pieces are left apart for too long. Let's think about this. If you do a minor fracture in, in one of the two bones in, in your shin and, and you're out and you're playing soccer and you have a minor fracture and you go in and the coach says, you know, rub some dirt on it, walk it off, and we're going to put you back into the game without doing an analysis to understand what it is, and you continue to go out and run on that broken bone, you're going to cause some more damage inside of there. It may become, instead of just a fracture, into a complete break. I've read stories about people who have broken one of the two bones and not even realized that they were, what the level of damage was until they went and got an x-ray to make sure that the whole thing was actually broken. They had to go in and, and put this stuff together. That's why in very complicated breaks, they have to put pins and screws and needles in, in order to hold the stuff together because it wants to float away from it. If you are constantly... So you have to be in a position of the bone. Well, your relationship is the same way. If you want to build a bridge of reconciliation with that person, the the proximity is actually important. You have to have some proximity with the person. Maybe maybe not geographically, but maybe over the phone you have phone calls. Maybe over um, relationships and text messages and emails. There have to be a level of proximity in order for the healing to start. And if you are constantly pointing out the other person's failures and shortcomings... It's like you're moving that bone away from the healing position. If you're constantly criticizing and and tearing them down, you've got to be able to lay off of that to allow the bones to get back into position. And so so here's the same four steps. Think about this, a relationship fracture healing. The step one is clean the ends of the bone. And the body uses blood to clean the ends of the bone. But all through scripture, you see that that the Bible talks a lot about the blood of Christ as a cleansing blood that cleanses away impurities in our life. If you have a broken relationship, step one is to take it to Jesus. Step one is to saturate that thing in prayer and say, God, I need you to come and clean this up and I need you to come and start to heal my heart. And God, although I, I, we haven't even started the bridge of reconciliation, I need you to be able to start to heal that side of it too. You need God's supernatural cleansing power to come into that situation or to clean up the ends of the bone. The first step is to take your break to Jesus and ask him to clean it. The second step of of this is is that the most most vulnerable stage in the healing. It's the highest chance for re-injury. You need external support. Kind of like you need the cast to help you get through that stage. You need some external support. This is where your friends and your family are going to come into play. This is where your local church comes into play. This is why joining a small group is so important. It's because you build these relationships that become the structure around you to help you get through this area. And when you're wrestling with these feelings and emotions on the reconciliation, they're able to shed some truth and some light into you. They're able to say your eyes pointed sideways, you're stinking a little bit. You need to kind of adjust yourself because you are going to put pressure on this that it doesn't need to have right now. You need that external support of of your family and friends and your church and your small group and people praying for you. Step three, the cast comes off and the relationship becomes a little bit more active. But we got to be careful so we don't re-break it in this phase. Although it looks like it is somewhat restored, if anybody's broken a bone, you know that when the cast comes off, it feels a little funny, doesn't it? It's not quite a hundred percent. 
It doesn't feel quite as strong. Maybe the muscles have atrophied a little bit and they've shrunken down a little bit. There's some rehab that's necessary. Any physical therapists in the room go, yeah. So you got some rehab that's got to be able to build the muscles back up. you gotta, you got to work through it and build the strength back up as the bone is healing, as the relationship is healing. It cannot handle the full stress of a normal relationship. If you think in a reconciling a relationship that step one is we can go right back to normal, that's not always the case. There's a process involved. It's functional, but with limitations on step three. And step four is this, is remodeling. The relationship becomes stronger over time. Just like your bone, when it breaks, it can take three months to nine years to get fully remodeled. Depending on the break on your relationship, it might be something that gets handled over a month or two or three, but it might be something that takes a year or two to ever get back to the full strength of what it once was, depending on how bad the break was when the break happened. If the band would come, we're going to wrap up this morning. And so, what do peacemakers do? I'm hoping at this point you've, you've made a decision in your heart that says, you know what, I'm going to be a peacemaker. The conflict is here. I understand it. I get it. It's going to take some time. There's a couple of steps. But what do peacemakers actually do? How do you do it? Number one is this, tell the truth in love. Tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So number one is you will speak the truth in love. Always leave your, if you're always leaving your clothes laying around the house, I don't ever do this, of course, but, but if, if you left your clothes laying around the house, or if you left the toilet seat up, or for some crazy reason, you think toilet paper should be rolling over instead of under. I mean, you get your thing, right? But if, if your spouse is always doing these things and, and, and your approach to them is, why do you always leave your clothes all over the place? You bleepity bleep bleep, go pick them up and put them away. You know, that is, that is, um, that is not telling the truth in love. It may be telling the truth that they're, that they're, they're, they're doing things that are destructing, destroying the conversation. Listen, here's some tips in non-conflict times, it's easier to speak the truth in love than in the middle of the conflict. How, so how do you speak the truth in love? Number one is, is this, when you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. That's a word you can say. I feel like you don't listen to me, and so I feel devalued. When you raise your voice at me, I don't feel safe. You may not even notice this, but when our friends are around, you're taking jabs at me all the time. When you continue to check your phone at the table, I feel devalued. We made a no phone rule at our table now to the point where if, if, if Amber, if one of our phones beeps or a text message comes in or something, we won't even reach for it. And the kids will be like, no phones at the table. We're like, you got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. In a few years when you have a phone, <laughs> tables turn. Being able to speak the truth in love is a very important thing. Number two is you need to apologize when you're wrong. You need to apologize when you're wrong. James chapter 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. You must apologize when you're wrong. Not, not any of those wimpy, sissy apologies either. Don't, don't throw the, well, if I've offended you, then I guess I apologize for... No, they just said they were offended. There's no ifs, if I offend, if I did this. If, if you feel hurt, then I, I guess I feel, you know, sorry. 
That, that, that is such a weak sauce apology. Own it. Own your missteps. Apologize when you're wrong. Use specifics. Like, I shouldn't have raised my voice. That was totally insensitive. And, uh, and, and you're right. I don't want you to feel unsafe when I raise my voice. And so I shouldn't have done that. Will you, will you forgive me for that? That's an apology. I know you keep saying that the piles of clothes on the ground need to get picked up. And I, and I know I keep leaving them there. And I don't, I, I, I want you to feel valued. I don't want you to feel devalued. I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't want to keep doing this. Please help me. You know, please accept. Like that's an apology when you, when you own it. Own your stuff. Apologize when you're wrong. The difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse says, I'm sorry for my mistakes. Repentance says, will you forgive me? Are you just sorry that they're mad? Are you sorry for how you hurt them? Are you, are you sorry for, are you just sorry for the, you got caught? Are you actually sorry for the actions that you took? You've got to apologize when you're wrong. Peacemakers, they tell the truth in love. They apologize when they're wrong. And lastly, they forgive and they let it go. Pastor Matt, I can't forgive. If you knew what they did to me, that significant betrayal, that the spouse that, that cheated on you, that boss that fired you uh, unnecessarily, that, that you know, the, the promotion that he promised you and behind closed doors and then the next day gave to the other guy. Like that betrayal, that, that, that if you knew. But in Colossians 3, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I started off this morning talking about missing the mark and that bridge and that chasm and how God sent the bridge from his side to your side of forgiveness and reconciliation. And as ambassadors and as followers of Christ, we've been forgiven so much. Let us be ambassadors and representatives of Jesus and work on building the bridge of forgiveness and reconciliation for those that are around us. Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray over you and we'll sing one last song. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the bridge that you have given us, for the bridge that you built. God, we just thank you so much for, for everything that, that you've done for us. God, I pray right now over this church, God, help us to be able to build a bridge of forgiveness and a bridge of reconciliation. God, the, the breaks that have happened in our relationships, the, the situations that have come into our lives that, that have caused fractures and pain and brokenness. God, it's real pain. It's real fractures. I'm not discounting what they did, but God, I'm saying, allow us, give us the strength and the wisdom to be able to navigate the healing process that you've ordained for us. God, help us even now to cover it with the blood of Christ, to get surrounded by people to help us and to be able to build that relationship. Help us have expectations that match yours, God, that this could happen over a day or a month or a week or years. God, I pray as we leave this place, God, let us be people who are marked by you and people who say, why do they build bridges of reconciliation so easy? It's because we've been built a bridge to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing one last song before we leave.